Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 294 of We Podcast, and we know things where we recap all of the week's nerdy news. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me is almost always the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matura. MCU fatigue is real. Yo, well, that's going to be a topic of conversation tonight. Episode 294, six away from the big 300. We've had a really long week. Birthday parties, a second birthday party down the shore. Got a, unfortunately, got a funeral the day this uh, releases. So we got a very long, oh, and a concert. Sam and I are going to a show on Sunday night. So we got a long darn week. And uh, I'm ready to talk some, some TV in just a few minutes, including She-Hulk, as Sam has so alluded to. Uh, I'm glad you, you watched it as well as I did. Yeah, I, I just snuck, dude. I didn't even think I was going to, but I, thank God it's a short episode and I was able to sneak it in. Well, we got a ton to talk about tonight. We got our picks of the week. We got trivia, 15 for me, 14 for Sam, and our race to 11 win by two. It could be decided tonight if I get his question with no answers. That might be fun. I'm looking very forward to it. Uh, in TV, we're going to start off with Better Call Saul's series finale. The Breaking Bad universe is over, as crazy as that is to say. And we're going to break down the final episode. Spoilers galore, so beware, be ready. Uh, And that's where our top three is going to lie. Our top three favorite characters of the Breaking Bad universe could be El Camino, could be Better Call Saul, could be Breaking Bad, could be a mix of all three uh, for a couple characters. So looking forward to that. We have our spoiler-free impressions of She-Hulk, some news on Yellow Jackets, The Continental, House of the Dragon, One Punch Man, Sam will take over in gaming where we have some unfortunate news about Hogwarts Legacy, some good news about South Park, Disney and Marvel, the Nintendo 64 NSO experience, uh, the the you know the N64 monthly game, um, Gamescom, Death Stranding, Pokemon Tournament, uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. So we got a lot of good stuff to talk about in gaming. In movies, not so much. Um, a remake of a very old movie is happening. One that I am on record of this podcast saying it's the one movie I never want to see remade. I remember saying that five or six years ago. And so and, we're and, and I'm on the other ilk that wasn't even really a fan of the movie. Me neither. That's what I, I don't like it. So that's why I don't want it remade. <laughs> yeah, Perfect. it's not not a movie I care too much about. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and then we have um, a another major acquisition. There was a couple, this one big company made like five or six, but one of them stuck out. And we'll talk about that before Sam brings us home with a weekly WADA. The WADA is BACA. So we'll do that. Let me change real quick my little checky marky guy. Now, you know what? I'll remember. If I don't, oh well, so sue me. <laughs> uh, let's start where we customarily do, though, with our picks of the week. Pick of the week this week. Me and Kelly went to the movies, and I, I've been looking forward to this film. Had a couple delays. I finally saw it. Bullet Train. Ooh. This was the the Brad Pitt about the assassins of the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basically he's a an assassin uh, basically set to steal this briefcase that's on a train from Tokyo to Kyoto and just uh, a whole bunch of shit ensues. Pro- pro- easily probably one of the best movies I've ever seen with Aaron Taylor Johnson. You know from Kick-Ass. I, mm-hmm. I thought he was he was uh, excuse me. Dead. He was uh, from Godzilla. Let's not confuse things. Yeah, he was <laughs> his marquee was, role. <laughs> He was a dude. He, he was great as Tangerine I, I as his character and probably Brian Tyree Henry. I'm 
I feel like I'm real picky with, with his his stuff, but this is probably his also his best movie is Lemon. I just thought this I, I, I didn't realize there was this many stars in this movie. There was uh, crazy cameos that I was not expecting to see. This movie definitely took me by surprise. Directed by David Leach, who helped co-direct John Wick, Deadpool 2. He, he directed Atomic Blonde. Again, if, if you are a fan of the John Wick, the action comedies, um, I made a story of on IG of uh, Hiroko Sonata. I said, just make a Predator movie with him as like a, a Ronin assassin. Take my money. He was great. And then he only had a little part, but he, I swear, he's great in everything. Michael Shannon was in this. And I, I will keep the other, the cameos. I, I feel like they, they were a surprise. They were definitely something that you're, you're not, I don't think you're going to be expected to see. But it's only got a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. Again, don't, some of my favorite movies are 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. So who gives a shit what Rotten Tomatoes says? I went out in, in theaters. It had a 85 to $90 million budget, already made about $119 million. So that's actually good to see that, you know, not just people are just going to see a Pixar or a MCU movie that there's still movies getting made, still hopefully profitable. Brad Pitt didn't disappoint. I, I, you know, he's getting up there in age, but he still was funny as hell. And the action was, was pretty, you know, was pretty decent. Um, there, I, there was like a mid credit scene, which was actually funny as hell. So if you do see, make sure you kind of stay for that. I definitely think this one is worth the watch. Make sure you check it out. Bullet train. For my pick of the week, I'm going to the TV space for the third season of a show I've raved about a million times in this podcast. It's my third favorite show on Apple TV Plus behind For All Mankind and Ted Lasso. I've talked about it. I've talked about it. I I don't remember if it was my pick of the week before or if it was a part of those 10 shows you need to watch episode I did uh, last year. I cannot remember. However, the third season is just about halfway done. And dare I say it's the best season yet. It reminds me a lot of season one after season two fell flat. And I'm talking about trying. I've talked about this show, like I said, plenty of times before. Uh, Jason and Nikki, they're a couple. They can't have a child, so they have to adopt. And that's where the show's title comes from. And it's it's set in England, by the way. And, and so, like, there's a lot of different rules that they have than we have in the States. So it's kind of nice to not know their processes like we do here in the United States. So you kind of just have to go along for this roller coaster ride of not knowing what's going to come next. And season one was hilarious. It's a comedy. It's a drama. It's kind of a little bit of both half hour episodes. So it's easily bingeable um, eight episodes per season. So again, you can knock this shit out in a day or two. And so like, it's their story of trying to adopt. And then what happens if they finally might have the opportunity. And then season two, it did kind of fall flat a little bit. It wasn't as funny. There were some storylines in there that were questionable. And what I really liked is this finale of season two did a really good job of wrapping that up. Like they didn't let a lot of those bad, I won't call them bad. Those underwhelming storylines linger into season three and season three picks up literally the second after season two ends. And they found a way to just kind of, let go of the things that we didn't care for. And it's right back to where it was. It, it hits you in the feels, especially if you're a parent or a parent to be, um, or somebody who is trying to adopt. It hits you uh, in the comedy button, if you will, right on the funny bone, right on the tip of the old elbow right there. And I really just, I love it. It's this vintage, hilariously uber British, uber like mush. I, I just love it so much. And so it's it's funny as shit. You won't know anybody in the cast. Um, Rafe Spall, Esther Smith, they play the two main characters. Don't need to go into really 
anybody else, if you're here in the States, you, you don't know these folks. They're not really in anything, which I love because I don't have like, I look at Kit Harrington. I'm like, that's Jon Snow, no matter what role he plays. The show doesn't have that problem. Matter of fact, on IMDb, season three is the highest rated. There's not an episode under eight out of 10 on IMDb so far. So that's really great to see. Um, actually, the 16 prior episodes only have one episode that's rated higher than any episode this season. So season three, critically off the charts, killing it. Uh, you know, and, and Ashley and I, we look forward to it every Friday. And so this is a show that if you're looking to get a half hour, you're looking to laugh, you're looking to cry a little bit, try to get them feels out, and you don't have access to Degrassi, well, check it out. Trying on Apple TV+. Plus. Sam, hit me with that trivia question. All right, like, well, if you get it right, I guess I don't still have a shot to stay That's in correct. It. That's correct, yes. All right. How many people does John Wick kill in John Wick? Jesus. Just the first movie. Just the first movie. You I got it. I asked you got to give me like a within three, within five. You got to give me something like that. That's a hard fucking thing to answer. I don't know. 61. I would have gave you something, but you're a little off. The answer is 77. All right. All right. That's 16. Even if you gave me five. five. In my head, if if you would have said like obviously 72, 73, I would have gave it to you. All right. Cool. So it is impossible for me to win this week, but. Not impossible for you to tie me up. This is a tough one. Um, If you've paid attention in the past, listeners, you might be able to get it. But what European country does Gamescom take place in every year? Gamescom? Is it Germany? It is. Every year. All right. All right. I'll take it. I pay it. Say, guys, I do pay attention on the pod. It's the Germany three. We've referred to it on this show plenty of times before. Um, it's coming uh, by the time you hear next week's episode. It's going to be here. And so definitely excited for that one. Really excited to be let down. Cannot wait. Yeah, Cannot no, wait. Can't wait. <laughs> for a two hour Jeff Keeley show that does nothing but let me down. It's going to be great. Why do I do this to myself? Sam, let's start here in the TV discussion. Spoiler talk, ladies and gentlemen. If you're looking to skip it, go ahead. This is your chance to look into the episode description and check out the time codes because we're going to be spoiling the shit out of Better Call Saul, the whole series, the whole Breaking Bad universe, but specifically this finale as this show is now done. We have nothing more to look forward to until Vince Gilligan decides to make that Twilight Zoney weird, creepy show. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. But I'm gonna miss this shit out of the better of the uh, Breaking Bad universe, Sam. Before I give my thoughts on the Better Call Saul finale, Saul gone. Why don't you go ahead and f- tell us how you felt about the finale? For a runtime of 69 minutes, um, I I would say overall, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Did it hit all my marks? No, but did it obviously pay a few things off? Get a couple great cameos who maybe some people we haven't seen in a while, which was great to see. Obviously, I Chuck Romy. I did like Chuck. Um, of course, you know, kudos to Cranston for slipping back into the Walter White role. Like literally no time has passed, even though eight years have passed. Uh, having a nice scene with Mike Emmertrout again, going back to um, Bagman. Bagman, which is probably easily one of the best episodes of Better Call Saul. Again, just to bring me back there to see, you know, because you're one of the last times to having um, Marie Schrader kind of come back of a widow. I'm glad it's her. I'm so glad it's not um, uh, Anna Gunn's the actress's name, but Walter's wife. 
Skyler. Think of her name, Skyler. I like that they just kind of had the her deal. I kind of love that that's all we ever got, and we never went back there. I, I, I truly, I, I, to me, kudos to the writers. I love that they, they just kept them, kept them there, and they brought in Maria. I thought that was just enough. So, you know, they brought Maria to Omaha, Nebraska, though. That was so weird. I think that was a little bit forced. But I'll, I'll get, I'll wait till my, my spot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Might, might not be everything. You know what? What I was wanting again. It's kudos to Bob Odenkirk for, you know, being solved for the last time. Of again, I, I still I don't understand his. I, I guess I do, but it seven and eighty six. That's that's tough for me to swallow for just for just Kim for just getting it. I, I get it. You know, for the final scene, I'm smoking there. I get it. it. Was great from the first and last. I get it. It was it was I I loved it, but it just t- it's a tough pill to swallow from seven years to eighty six years. It's tough. Uh, if her um, law license doesn't have an expiration date, my ending would have been her moving to Colorado or the Rockies, wherever that prison is. It's the Alcatraz of the Rockies. So wherever the, you know, I'm guessing Colorado since that's a pretty, but somewhere in the Northwest, what's stopping her from moving there and being his quote unquote lawyer and visiting him every month? Without guards, without anything, and they can have a relationship that way. And they don't tell you that. They make it like she's going to go away forever. But if she has the wherewithal, the means, and all that to do it once, she has the, you know, I guess she can do it as much as she wants. I really would have liked them to cement that. And so they could have their romance and be together forever. But he's also paying the price of being in prison, which he kind of likes. So, like, it was a little weird for like, like I told you, it was like it, it felt like it, it. I guess it was an ending, but it felt like it, it, there's still more. Like there's still questions. Like again, does she walk away from oh, her, yeah. or does she come back? Does she try to find a an, an actual legal loophole to try to lesser in, lesser in sentence, get him out? Is this the spinoff they do in four or five years? Is is this another movie they kind of left open hanging? You know, oh, like God. again, like I feel like it's it's open for interpretation. Like, does she come back, or is that the last time they ever see each other? And he's there for eighty six, and he obviously dies there. Is is yeah, it? You know what I mean? I just have a feeling that it's done forever, and I think they're ready to move on, especially now because Vince is making a new show. There's only so far these characters can age. Like, Bob Odenkirk already looks a lot different than he did in the Breaking Bad universe. He's only getting older. Ray Seahorn can probably pull it off for years to come. But, like, I don't need another El Camino. I think that El Camino kind of out outdid its welcome after a while. And I... 9.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 36,000 ratings. This is like an immaculate show. All I see on Twitter is the praise and the love for it. And I'm not, I'm not there. I'm just not there. Did I like it? Yes. And do I have any major giant problems with it that I was like, Oh my God, Dexter new blood or something like that. No, I don't have those gripes. I've been sitting on this. It's Thursday night. I've been sitting on it since Monday night at 11. Like, what do I think of this? And it's so crazy because four days later, I still don't have like an answer of how I truly feel. And I don't think that's a good thing because if I have to convince myself, I liked it four days later, that means it didn't hit me as I was watching it, which means I was probably a little underwhelmed. And that's kind of where I'm at is this second half of the season has kind of underwhelmed outside of episode uh, 12 like where he gets found out from Marion and the first five minutes of the finale where he's running from the cops, which I thought could have lasted longer because my butthole was puckered. I was so, that was so tense, but like they just got him <laughs> like in a dumpster is, he you know, started his career in the dumpster and ended his <laughs> career in the dumpster. 
I just, I just was like, damn, well, there goes all the tension. And then it became incredibly predictable. And that last hour and 15 minutes, you could have known everything that was going to happen. And like, of course they did the artsy fartsy cigarette shot in color with the little, the butt end of the cigarettes in color. And it's like, God, we've seen this literally last episode. You do the splash of color, go in or go out. Uh, the black and white for me, it wore out its welcome after episode 10 when they did the, uh, the big heist and everything like that. Like I was kind of over it at that point. I wanted them to find a way to transition into color because once he said, no, my name is Jimmy McGill. I would have liked, or like maybe the exit sign could have been in color when it was, you had the buzz when they were talking about the Chuck and then they could have found a way to maybe bleed that back into color or something like that because he's no longer Gene and he's no longer Saul. He's back to Jimmy. Jimmy was a, a, a character in color. The black and white just really wore out its welcome. That's not somebody, I'm not saying I'm somebody who needs color. I need HD. I need all this. No, I appreciate the art of the storytelling, but I think it took it too far. And it was just like, man, when I rewatch this series, eventually I, I just think I might stop after Howard or Lalo, actually probably after the Lalo kill and just say, all right, I'm good because the rest of it became really predictable and better call Saul has always been known to not be predictable. And when they went down the route of like, well, shit, this is the the route they ended up going. uh, It's just a little bit disappointing, I guess. And, you know, I guess now as I'm talking through it, my feelings are starting to kind of cement themselves and like, you know, I haven't really talked about it with anybody but Ashley. So like, okay, okay, okay. I'm I'm with it. I'm here. I'm not crazy about it. I'm not crazy about the entire second half. So, you know, am I, am I nuts? Am I crazy for thinking that, you know, this oh. wasn't, this kind of took it down a notch for me and cemented that Breaking Bad is still the goat of all goats? I mean, Breaking Bad is still the be- the better show without a guy. Again, the finale that we had in Breaking Bad, he all went out guns blazing. You know, Jimmy did it. Jimmy went out differently, which is why I uh, he went out, it. He went out finger guns blazing, though, last. Yeah, you know, so he, he just, he was, it was, it was a completely different tone than what Breaking Bad was, which I appreciate. I don't want him to go out on crossroads cause, or uh, go out like a blaze of glory because that's not, that's not Jimmy. I, for me, I, the black and white, I, it, it didn't bother me. I, I enjoyed the black and white. What did bother me was this old woman of predictable. She's going to figure him out like that. I don't know. Just her going on ask Jeeves. Like that was a one loan to pick. I was like, Oh, this lady is going to be the one to take him down. All right, whatever. Uh, once she, I, once she called it in, he could have taken it after she made the call in, he could have then taken it, smashed it, or at least the, the receiver box that the other person speaks out of. He could have smashed that because then she walks over. She tells him the license plate. Yeah, but, the, but then it's, the show's not over. Then there's nothing there. He's not chasing. Then he could just, you know, move, change his he identity can, he for can, Ed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. And, and you know, so they can't like, do it. I, obviously I, I get that. Yes. Know. Structurally from the show's perspective, they can't do it. But in reality, of course, you're going to do that. Of course, you're going to break the, the box and then what? run. But they she won't get your license plate number. She won't be able to tell you the name again. She won't be able to do yep. the things she needs to do. And that and that was no way she saw the plate from that far. No way she's reading that damn plate. Yeah, no way. And, 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 and I would also tag to agree with you saying that the start of the season was so fantastic of, of Michael Mando is as Nacho and then having Lalo come back and Gus after that, like to me, that's where it basically peaked for me. Yeah, it did peak and, there. I mean, dude, in, and, in and literal, it just slowly, it just slowly went ended. downhill. It just slowly yep. ended, you know, yeah. like it, it but in, that was it to me. It was like the, the characters that I don't that I truly loved their stories were done. Yeah. That was it. No, it was and, just, it, 
They are. They're done. I mean, definitively outside of like, yeah. like you said, does Kim ever decide to go back and visit him again? Da, 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 da. Like that. She's about the only wild card because Saul's in jail for 86 years. So like that's, or sorry, Jimmy. So like we, yes, everybody, but Kim is technically tied up in a nice bow, but like, if you, as we watch this whole season play out in real time, we had a month between episode seven and episode eight. We had a long time to digest Howard's murder and then Lalo's murder. And, but when you go back and rewatch this shit in a binge fashion, my brother, they're going to die in two straight episodes back to back. And it's going to kind of take a little bit of that away. Um, and like, when you go back, it's like, holy shit, they could have taken more time with Lalo. They really didn't have to. They could have literally cut the scene or the entire episode 10 where he's doing the Jeff thing and they're outside practicing and all that shit. And they could have repurposed it into another Lalo episode because I feel like once the bad guys were out of the way and it's just how did the perceived quote unquote good guys, how do they end their stories? And there was no real villain and they had to make a 90 year old Carol Burnett who didn't make her appearance on the entire fucking series until three episodes left. Like, of course that's the way they go. That's how murder mystery things happen. The murderer is never a person that's in the first hour of the movie. They always magically just show up in the second half and it happens to be them. It's like they did that again. Like they introduced this woman who they announced, by the way, they fucking announced her in the show a week or two before it came back for season six, they said, introducing Carol Burnett as Marion. And we knew, okay, where's Marion? Where's Marion? Where's Marion? She hasn't been here. She hasn't been here. And then episode 10 rolls along. You see her in her, in her, in the grocery store for the first time. And you're like, God damn it, dude, she's going to fucking do it. And they did it. And it was just after Lalo, it just became predictable. And I, I'm just a little disappointed there. And, and the other thing I'll still say it is when they had to change the actors for that one guy for the taxi cab. That yeah, that took me too. that takes me out of it. Something stupid like that. It, this little the guy they brought in, like I I don't know. I didn't even think it it, just, it didn't fit. Like there was some misses. Like was it per was it perfect? Was it a nine point eight? No, I, I would say no. I what, I'd, I'd give the finale like a, like a seven five eight. Yeah, I'm I'm probably at a seven five. Like I'm I am fine with it. It just was a little underwhelming and disappointing and some people might say like well then what would be your perfect ending because i've seen so many people on twitter and facebook and even like uh, i don't think uh, there is a perfect ending there isn't and like it's it's whatever you wanted it to be like if this was what you wanted then it was perfect for you if it's not then it isn't and that's the thing about media is it goes one way it goes the way it goes and you have to like it or not and like you're always going to have those camps like some of it, some of it I loved. Again, like to me, ten out of ten was the the Nacho Vargo episodes two and three. Ten out of ten, the Lalo. Ten out of ten, they were my favorite episodes by far of the season. The finale again, it, it's it's tough. Once you you killed off all the bad, I get it. You want to focus more time on the Gene. I get it. I totally get it. Which is what you guys were building for from the very first episode. So that I totally understand. But you know, kudos to to Vincent and Peter Good. I mean, dude, they had over a hundred episodes of two shows. This thing they they got they won a Peabody Award, forty six primetime Emmys, fifteen Writers Guild of America awards, fourteen Critic Choice Awards, a six Screen Actor awards, four Golden Globes, and a partridge in mean, a pear tree. Hey, what more could what more could they want? I, I feel like they went out on top. It was it was by I probably think the best season because just just again carried by Michael Mandel, Tony Dalton. Juan Carlos Esposito, and of course, you know, Bob Oderkirk and Ray Seahorn, Patrick Fabian. They, they, as a cast, it was perfect. It's just, after the big bads, there really wasn't enough. There wasn't that, again, like that wall had that, oh, he went at Blaze of Glory. We just didn't have that here, and it was just kind of a, like you said, it just kind of, 
ended. Walt, Walt had the white supremacists, and they came in the show with Todd in the beginning of season five so that you had a whole season to hate them. Yep. Marion came in with three episodes left. Yeah, and, and, and she Todd was the was, one who took and, it down. And you and we all hated Todd with a seething, yeah. burn, like burning, fiery passion. Like Carol Burnett's character, I was like, this is how he go after all his shit of his stupid ass chiefs. That I, I don't think I'll ever accept. Like she figured a nine year old after he just got nah. After he just watched funny cat videos, no freaking way. That he I don't buy. He was on the run for like ten minutes before they found him. Like he barely got anywhere. He ran into the sewer thing. And then uh, went into the dumpster, and there you go. Caught him. Like, they they really – they built up that tension and then kind of just let you down. And uh, I, I just – I see so many people on Twitter especially saying, like, this was perfection. This was great. This was that. This is this. And it's like, of course you feel like that because you want it to. There's not much else in your in life right now that's, like, <laughs> super awesome and positive. Of course that's what we want. And it's like, man I – mean- I, I, w- I wish I wish I could come here and say the finale was a ten of ten. I wish I could say that, but I I would say yeah. it's definitely worth watching. It's it's still a great show. Breaking Bad is still the king. But this show just goes right below it. If if you love Breaking Bad, I still think this show is is a, is a worth the watch. You get enough nods, you get enough cameos. A, again, very smart writing, but you know, just you can't just put it on the pedestal and say ten out of ten, ten out of ten. Eh, just see for yourself. I I I think I would have just I I would have been a, a little happy camper if they would have cemented if uh, Kim comes back again for him and like that's it I, that's, I said that, that's Ashley, the only thing that's that's I said why her, I think that's why they kept it I said to her what is holding her back from moving here she has this I believe yep, she has yep, the sandpaper yep, money yep right like so it's not the boyfriend in Florida who goes yep it's that's not what I was, that's why I was yeah, it's not the sprinkler company. It's not her coworkers. It's not, you know, being a legal assistant now, like for that woman who she just walked in and got that job. Like it's not any of those things. What's holding her back. And so like, I just have to, I just would have liked it if she would have winked and said like, see you next month or something. Give me something that says they can be together because yeah, bad characters get their comeuppance, but he did this to literally himself. He had a plea down to seven. He obviously wanted to get Kim there, and he he had this plan the whole time because he truly probably doesn't care. He just wanted to make things right with Kim. But there are ways to do it other than that. Um, and if you're going to be in jail for 86 years, my man, that can't be – you got 86 years to go. Like That wasn't a big flash forward. So like if that's going to be your last time, the that's what you're going to remember her by is like – she could come back any fucking time she wants if that law license doesn't expire. Now, if they came up with like a different excuse for her to be there, okay, maybe I don't think that. But because they used the plot device that they did of my law license does not expire, I there's an opening for them two to be together. And maybe they did that on purpose. Maybe, just maybe, they're leaving it just to open-ended enough for us to sit here and be able to question that. No, they, they, like, they, they did. Even in interviews, they say, well, we need a little bit of a break right now. We're going to step away. And this gives it time to let it breathe a little bit. If they could figure out a story, dude, every writer was, see, everyone loved her. She will definitely be back if they do decide to continue in this, in this, in this universe. I'm just at a point where it, it is going to be, you know, if not, not on very close. I don't need any more. I don't no, need, I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. Um, you know, I don't want to throw myself back into this universe again. I've exhaustingly done that for so many years. I love this universe so much that I'm good. I'm, you know, 
we have finality. So I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Um, the show at the end of the year will be, if not on very close to being on my list right now, it is. And I, it's still one of the best shows on television right now. It's still one of the best shows I've ever seen as a whole. And it's my favorite television universe ever. The breaking bad universe is the goat for me. And so like, this is, it's sad that it's over. It's a little bit more sad that it kind of ended the way it did. And so, um, not a bad thing. Again, I'm fine with it. I'm just not blown away and I just don't love it, but I am fine with it. No major, major, major complaints that like drug it down for me. I have actually a bigger problem with the previous three or four episodes outside of E12. E12 was great. I have like a little bit of a problem with those other episodes post Lalo that, uh, that I, you know, I'm probably going to skip that rewatch, but overall I'm happy. I know you're happy. Do you have anything else you want to add? We've been at it for just about 20 well, minutes before we dig into our top three. I, I do want to jump to the, the top three. I feel like my my one and two are, they're locked in, but I swear my number three is is a revolving door. Yeah, same with and mine. I'll just, and I'll just leave it at that. I, I said at the you know a few minutes ago, hey, this is probably, it is my definitive, my favorite uh, television universe or maybe even video, anything of all time it's just so captivating and so when sam and i had agreed on this top three of our top three favorite characters in the entire breaking bad universe this was a really difficult one to come up with so i am definitely excited to hear your answers yeah and i guess i'll I'll jump in with my number three nacho varga and that's because of michael mando i mean he was he was perfection to me from beginning of, of a criminal of working for the Salamancas of, and then you kind of see him, his respect to his father, like that whole journey. And then him getting caught and just kind of him being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And basically being Gus's little a guinea pig and uh, just kind of his whole story, like him and, and his, his last arc, I was on the edge of my goddamn seat for them last two episodes, even though you, you, you basically knew his fate, but I was still on the edge of my seat. And the way that he went out like a gangster and he will live in Hector Salamanca's head for free forever. And the way that ended up him just shooting his dead body, that it, it cemented to be one of the best. Even I knew it was coming. It still hurt Nacho Varga, Michael Mando. Perfection. This I, I agree with you. And I feel the exact same way that my number three potentially is and could be a revolving door. But when I broke it down and I really thought about it, I have to apologize to Kim, to Lalo, mm, to Jimmy McGill, to yep. Jimmy McGill, and to Jesse Pinkman for not making my list. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I figure I know your list already. That's how crazy this world is. Oh, and I'm sorry. And apologies to Mike Ehrman Trout because he didn't make it either. My number three, my favorite villain of the entire Breaking Bad universe, the person I love to hate the most, Todd. Jesse Plemons as Todd, what he puts Jesse Pinkman through when from, well, I'll, I'll start here where I started to hate Todd was when he breaks into Walt's house and they fucking go to the baby and they make, you know, and they threaten Skylar with the baby in the crib that just killed you. The fact that he shot the kid in the desert, cold blood and my most hated seething cringy f this guy moment of the entire breaking bad 
uh, series when he shoots Andrea in the back of the head. Oh my All god! Jesse was watching. Well, Jesse had to watch and scream with a freaking rope in his mouth, and he had to watch another girlfriend die in front of him. Todd sucks so fucking bad, and when he went down, it was like hallelujah, hallelujah. Because it was like he King is Joffrey my when he died in Game of Thrones. He is, and Joffrey is one of the most iconic deaths in, in television history. And it's like, fucking finally, somebody took this asshole out. I'll forgive the weight gain in El Camino. I've packed on a few pounds over the years. I know what it's like. I enjoy a McDouble every now and again. But I'm telling you, his performance is so top notch. He's so melancholy in the best way possible. Shout out to Todd, you piece of shit. Number two, it's Lalo Salamanca. He 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 stole the show for me. He is truly one of my favorite villains ever on screen. Again, he it, that's an actor that that brought you everything. That you were terrified. His charisma. He could be funny. He could be charming. Then he could slit your throat. Family or not, he didn't give a shit. He was ruthless. He was the charm. The charm is what did it for me. He could be so charming. He what he did is, to Marguerite was insane. He he is a true Salamanca like through and through. Tony Dalton brought something to the role. I he, I don't think he came in until like season four, and then he was a, C, a series regular for five and six. And just what what came he in did season four episode eight, I believe. Yep. And I I again it, it's it's someone to me. He he that's an actor that when he was on screen, he 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 has all your attention. He's he stole every scene to me that he was in from the finale of season five to his ending to six. I truly thought it was also how he went out. He truly was one of the best villains ever, and I'm definitely going to miss Tony Dalton in the role. My number two, and the reason I didn't talk about him when he was your number three is Nacho Varga. I didn't want to give it away, give it away, give it away now. Mm. Uh, Nacho Varga, although not my number one, has my favorite through line of any character in the Breaking Bad universe. From his start to his finish is my favorite character arc, the Redemption the rooting for this literal gangster rooting for him. You don't get that often. Walt was not a gangster. Walt became Walt Nacho. When we met him was already in the game. He wanted out and you rooted for him so hard to get out. And you knew underneath all of that, he had this heart. He had this human quality to him that he wanted more in life. And like, obviously the whole story with his dad and all of that, and you, you almost got those Andrea vibes when what's his face went into the restaurant and was just kind of standing behind him. And you're like, no way you knew it wasn't going to happen. Cause there were so many people around, but like there was clear callbacks to that. And those last three episodes, to your point, his ending arc was the most tense I've felt watching a TV show in as long as I can remember. And so what an arc Michael Mando from relative unknown from the guy from far cry, to this hopefully they strapped a rocket to his ass like Shawn michaels put him to the moon give him everything he deserves what a fantastic character what a fantastic arc and what a fantastic way to go out my hats off to you nacho varga no arguments for me my number one it's it's walter white i same, same, same. I, I i don't i don't think it's close i mean brian cranston is a tour de force he came back into this role like he never left. They're still locked in that room these last eight years. I again, you go, you 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 love to hate him. I think from a chemistry teacher to getting cancer to try to providing for his family, 
and then to becoming Heisenberg, all the Heisler, all the, the shit that he did to not saving Jesse's girl, to killing the guy in the street, to have Jesse kill someone to save his life. I mean, the, the journey, it, it, we always wanted more. A show I was late on. I, I was definitely late to this show. But for, for I'm so glad. I think it was Alex or you. Someone, t- probably multiple people probably told me to watch it. Thank God I did because I'm glad I enjoyed the last, what, 14 years, 12 years, however long it's been from this show. Easy number one. It's not even close. Yeah, Walter White for me is my number one. And as I just said, Nacho had the best arc through line. But Nacho's not a main character. He's not yeah. the the protagonist of the show. He becomes one, but he's not the. And that's where Walter White shines is like, even when he comes back, he was the only one for me in the Better Call Saul season six where the cameo truly worked. He looked just like he did eight years ago. Um, he sounded like he had the same mannerisms. Jesse tried way too fucking hard to be Jesse. Like he was like, yeah, yo, bitch. And all that. it just didn't work for me. His cameo, especially with Kim. Cool to see him together. But like when he talks too much, he kind of exposed himself a little bit, a little overexposure. Walt, however, just has it. He is Walter White through and through. He was so cocky. Still, you learn so much more about that conversation in that basement or the, what, the cellar, wherever it was with Saul. And just like, I forgot, dude, he ran over a motherfucker. I forgot about yep. that. So yeah. And like, Dude, he became Heisenberg. I am the one who knocks. I am the danger. Watching, uh, God, what was her name? Kim? No, not Kim. Um, Kristen Ritter's character. I forget her name. Watching her choke to death. Like, yep. seeing the way that happened. Being late for his daughter's birth. Like, putting the bacon on his plate. Something as subtle as that. He was so narcissistic that he left a fucking million dollar company that he didn't have the foresight to see was going to be a billion dollar company got bought out from gray matter and held it against them. But he is still the smartest man in the room at all times. That final scene in uh, um, Gretchen and uh, oh man, I can't remember his name in their house when he puts the lasers on them. It was so amazing the way he set that all up and Felina. Great episode. Great way to go out. Walter White is the goat of all goats. He's not a good guy, but he is the protagonist. I love him. He is an easy number one. Welcome back to the folks who just uh, didn't, you know, for the last half hour, Sam and I have gone on about Better Call Saul and the Breaking Bad universe. So welcome into all those people here. uh, the, The spoilers are over. We're done. Hopefully you tuned in. Hopefully you listened. Appreciate all those who did. But if you skipped it because you're not quite there yet, we hope that you go watch the show and come back and listen to all of our spoiler casts on the episodes. We covered every episode individually on the pod. Sometimes we had to group them together for a multitude of reasons, but we've gone over every episode here as the series is over. But AMC is not done with Bob Odenkirk, nor are they done with Giancarlo Esposito, as they've announced two new series, Straight Man, starring Bob Odenkirk, and Parish, starring Giancarlo Esposito, both coming in 2023. Is this something you're excited for? I mean, I, I really don't know what these products are about. I love... We have no call in Obviously, we love All Involved, so I would like to say that I'm definitely here for a trailer. I want to know what these shows are about. I'll definitely give them a fair shake, but I don't, yeah. I don't know shit yet, so I really can't say too much more. Yeah, um, as actors and performers, yes, I'm super psyched because both of these guys are awesome. However, these are not Breaking Bad Universe shows. Just to put that out there, if there was any clarification needed, um, we don't know shit. Straight Man sounds like <laughs> it's going to be like a gangster crime thing. Parish sounds like it could be... Uh, 
you know, like a midnight mass deal, except He's maybe not as, some shit. as we, we just don't know. Yeah. He could be, um, you know, a pastor or something like that. So we will figure all that good stuff out. They're coming next year and it's already all, you know, mid August. So it's not too, too far away. Um, but just wanted to let you know that Odenkirk and Esposito, you know, incorporated aren't going anywhere. Now we're going to go spoiler free for this next section. So no need to pass by. And I don't think we're going to spend too, too long on it. Maybe five minutes or so, but I have said for a very long time that I'm kind of over the MCU DCEU thing. I'm kind of just not there on, on superheroes anymore. I'll still watch the first episodes of the new shows as they hit Disney plus just to see if it piques my interest. We now have another one. It debuted today, so maybe you haven't gotten a chance to to watch it yesterday as this podcast has dropped. It dropped Thursday, August 18th. She-Hulk Attorney at Law is out now, the debut episode. It's only about a half hour long before the credits roll. There is an end credit scene, so I hope everybody stuck around for that. It was actually probably one of the best parts of the episode. Uh, but Sam, I know you watched it a little bit before this pod went on. I watched it at 4.30 in the morning today, uh, or I should say again yesterday as this pod drops. What did you think of She-Hulk Attorney at Law? Again, like my intro to the pod, the MCU fatigue is real. Um, I, I don't know. It, it just it didn't grab me. I, I do. I hate where you know where I stand with Hulk. I hate. I hate our Hulk. I. I, I don't know. I think I'm starting to not like Mark Ruffalo as even Bruce Banner. I, I. I. I miss Edward Norton. I miss how he used to look. How badass. I don't. I don't like the smart Hulk. I. I don't like it. I don't, Professor Hulk. Professor Hulk. However you want to say it. I don't like that. Um, they, I'd say they, they fixed a little bit of the CGI, but it's still far from perfect. It still stands out and there's nothing I can do. I, I, I noticed it. I, I can't turn my brain off. I, I yeah, they might've had some, some comedy bits. They had the fourth wall breaking, which she was before Deadpool. So I don't want to hear anything copy off Deadpool. It's like, no, if anything, Deadpool copy from She-Hulk. She, even though Stanley did kind of come back and write a comic in 92, I still consider this like the last. Com- uh, Stan Lee comic book creation of, of She-Hulk. Her origin story was definitely different from the comics. I How she got it this way reminded me of Morbius. I'm not going to lie. And I, I didn't like it. Maybe people liked it. I. That's funny. I, I didn't know. think about that till just now. I can see yeah, I so, can see why you'd think it. Yeah, I, I that, so that kind of bugged me. I, a, a lot of, they did a lot of stupid jokes and the tra- I, didn't, I didn't really give a shit for the training montage and the yoga. But I, I did like the, you know, the obviously, the, I feel like you have to mention Tony Stark sometimes. It's like, it needs something. They need to bring something there so that they're throwing Tony Stark around and, and Cap. And it's like, okay, that's all fun and games. But the first episode didn't do it for me. Maybe when it, they start doing more of the, the courtroom, what they kind of say it said it is, I think the ending fight scene was a joke. I, I don't, I don't even want to call it a fight scene at the, the ending. I, I, it didn't look great to me. I thought it was crap. I, it, this one felt like a little bit of chore to get through. I, I, I'm hoping it gets. I, I has it has to get better. There's no way it. it this is it again. We, we didn't see the, any big cameos yet. I don't think none's jumping out of me because if I've forgotten anything. But I, I, it's off to an okay start. I mean, there's nine episodes. This one just felt like a little chore. Thankfully, it was just 30 minutes, very short. That's one positive thing I can say. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I actually am on the other side of that fence. Um, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was fine. Um, it, the CG is incredibly distracting, especially when they're talking and moving. Like when it's a standstill, it's okay. But once they actually have to animate mouths moving and or them throwing rocks mm-hmm. or it looks super weird. 
when she does her superhero jump uh, and like her superhero landing. And she, she looks like a giant spider. She looks like the boss from resident evil seven, um, the woman. And so, so like it, it, it was just super uh, off putting, I guess I was like almost kind of uncomfortable when they're talking to each other. Cause I'm like, these mouths aren't syncing with these words and actions. It's just a little weird, but to your point, I think we're in for a little bit of a treat when it comes to the rest of the series in terms of the courtroom stuff. Now here's the problem. The writers have come out and made, it was a joke, but I'm not taking it as a damn joke. They said, we figured out one thing real quick. When we, I'm paraphrasing when we wrote this show, we don't know how to write compelling courtroom dramas. And so like my, my thought is either a, I hope they hired somebody who can, and there will be some more like thoughtful who done it kind of courtroom stuff or B there's the courtroom's just going to be a place. Like we saw at the end of the episode, it just happened to take place in the courtroom when the villain broke in and the fight ensued. So I, I hope that's not the case because I'm truly a little disappointed. Um, if that will be the case, I love courtroom stuff. I always have. And so it's just always been appealing to me. My cousin Vinny's still one of my favorite movies, um, 12 angry men, all of it. So like, I am excited for where it could go, but there's a lot of shit in this episode that I never have to watch again. The training montage and the fight being two of them. I just didn't care the origin of how she got her powers. Like bro, a little convenient, a little convenient. Like I'm bleeding. How did you know she got cut brother? How did you know? I get it. You're just saying it just in case, but like, I didn't know he bled like that. And I thought he would have transformed a lot sooner. So it, it was just a little just weird. Con- just convenient, um, huh? But too convenient. What'd you say? I think it was a little too convenient. You know, he, yeah, a little he too convenient. Hulk, uh, you, just, know, you know what I mean? Again, I, I just didn't love it, but I thought it was kind of fun. And I'm excited to see where it's going. We know we're going to get some cameos. We know Wong's going to be there. We know Abomination's going to be there. Originally, they wanted to put Abomination in a courtroom scene and do him, do a trial for him. And that's where that paraphrase quote of, like, we don't know how to write courtroom stuff came from was from abomination and i'm just i'm excited ish but like it's got a short leash man if episode two does the same thing episode one did i'm kind of out the only two characters really in the show were these two were bruce and jen and it's like yeah the paralegal the legal assistant they were in it for a minute but this this episode was really centered around these two as we introduce more characters as we actually have a plot line a see-through arc and like a true villain i'll maybe get there but i don't need another hulk i was fine with one i don't need it it's just another hulk right now who happens to be a mid-level attorney um so yeah it was fun enough i'll tune in next thursday that's where it got me i'll go week to week it got me for next thursday i'll make another decision at the end of next thursday what i'm here for charlie cox i know what i'm doing here yeah, that, that'll be fun. If they argue against each other in court, that would be pretty, pretty fun. And I hope they don't, I hope they get there pretty soon. And that's not a spoiler, guys. He was in the trailer. We can talk about that freely for gosh sakes. Uh, let's move on unless you have anything else you want to say about nope. She-Hulk. Move on. Yeah, moving on. Uh, Yellow Jacket Season 2, not coming until sometime after February 2023. The showrunners updated us and said filming is taking place this month. It's starting in August running all the way through February. So it tells me, uh, 
we're in for a lot because filming didn't take this long last time. It was June and the show was out in November. So uh, they said sometime shortly after February. So I'm thinking somewhere between March and May for season two. That'll be a year and a half ish wait for season two. That's a long time. I mean, it kind of makes sense, though, because the finale was January 16th, 2022. So 2023 or as long as it's early, I, I don't think that's a big deal. Yeah, but most shows start around the same time each year. They don't start a year after it ends. Like most shows, it's if it starts in June for season one, season two is around June. This is November to May, April ish. Like that's that's a while. And for somebody yeah. who loved that show as much as I did, it you know it's still I still theorycraft. I still love that fucking show. I hope season two hits. The problem is they're announcing castings, and like. Stop, because you announced an adult version of a character that we didn't technically know was alive. We thought she was, but we didn't ever know it. And your casting confirmed that. And it's like, yeah, IMDb would have picked that up and it would have been spoiled anyway. But like, can we just have an element of surprise, please? Just a little I, bit? I, I, I don't know. There, with the, what we do here, Greg, is a, having, being surprised is kind of hard now. <laughs> That's a it very, is. very fair point um another down story in tv one for me with yellow jackets now one for you the continental will switch streaming services it will release in 2023 but now on peacock yeah of the probably the worst streaming surface out there uh crap i'm going to have to i i have to see it i just just sucks i'll have to wait i maybe do i wait till it's all out and i just use a free trial or do i just drop to what what is it eight bucks ten bucks i don't even know what it is like five or ten, something like that. Oh, so it's not too bad, but all right, it is what it is. Yeah, Peacock is getting better uh, with its original content. I'm actually in the middle of a show with Ashley that's a Peacock original. We have an episode left. It's pretty good. And then there's another one called The Resort that we're both really looking forward to watching. So like Peacock is like bringing the heat a little bit with these with these originals. So hopefully. This Continental show maybe gives us, maybe, just maybe, a sliver of hope that Twisted Metal will be good. Just maybe. I, I don't even want to give myself hope yet. I, I have to I have to wait. I, I can't say anything. Friendly reminder that this Sunday, House of the Dragon premieres, and there's just not a lot of hype, not a lot of, like, I don't see a ton of marketing about the show, and I feel like I just wanted to get another reminder out there that the Game of Thrones universe is back this week. I don't even have HBO. I got to figure out a way to watch it. <laughs> it sucks because the, the premiere will be at a concert during. So I won't even get to watch it live with the rest of the world. I'll have to come home that night with a McDouble and, and sit down and watch it. Uh, that's <laughs> I, ain't my watching, thing. I ain't watching shit that late. I'm going to bed. After concerts, I have to get McDonald's or Wendy's. It's always a thing. It will always be a thing because I can't, eat, I can't eat the day of a show because of my yeah. stomach. And so I have to wait to eat until 11 o'clock at night. And so I'm going to fucking stuff my face. Well, so, yeah, it's good that get... we, live, we live so close so we can just drive right to McDonald's and you can go right to drop me off and you go home and eat. <laughs> I'd be embarrassed to order McDonald's in front of you these days, man. I'm going to get the Big Mac bundle box and just take it myself. Two Big Macs, two burgers, two nuggets, two fries, all by myself. I got hey, it. there's no wrong with that, brother. They might, they, might, they might not serve it that late, but we'll find out. <laughs> 18 bucks never bought me so much happiness. Uh, we do apologize for some technical difficulty. Sam's been cutting in and out this episode. Really sorry about all that, ladies and gentlemen. We're working through it as best we can. Um, you might hear some weird edits earlier on the episode. 
Um, you might hear him cutting out. We're, we're trying our best tonight. We're pushing through. Um, One Punch Man is getting a season three. I'm slacking. I still didn't see season two yet. Um, I heard from my nephew that he wasn't a huge fan of the animation. Um, I have it on Blu-ray. I'll get to it eventually, but it's good to know that I'll have a season three to look forward to as well. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I I didn't watch season three either. Although I will say I did enjoy season one. It was a pretty good show. Oh, Uh, you you didn't see season two. No, I, I didn't have too much interest because I had heard similar things about the animation. And you know yeah. me with animated shows. I'm a little particular. Yeah, you, you're hanging by a thread already. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'll take it over in gaming. And it wouldn't be a gaming section if we didn't start it with a delay. Hogwarts Legacy has been delayed until February 10th, 2023. Yeah, if you're a fan of Harry Potter and the Harry Potter RPG coming, or the Harry Potter themed in his world you're gonna wait a little bit longer uh delayed till february 10th not a super duper long delay we're gonna get this you know early early of the year that hopefully takes you to breath of the wild 2 which i still hope comes in march don't forget that game still needs to be unveiled so you know we're getting a september direct it's got to happen motherfuckers and uh that'll be a good thing but yeah hogwarts how did i get from hogwarts legacy to zelda that's just where my mind goes uh yeah look forward to that but just now a few months later one game is delayed and another is in development a new south park game is in development yeah thq nordic gave a big game showcase last week and we didn't cover it we did talk about aew's fight forever is going to get unveiled it looks rough so, uh, yeah, yeah, it looks real rough. But at the end of it, they teased South Park Studios was one of the participating studios with a game in development. They said, we have 26 games in development. Or no, we have like 120 games in development, 26 of which are unannounced. And then they scratched out the 26, wrote 25, and then flashed the South Park logo. So we know we're getting one. I would love it to be an RPG kind of like the other two, like um stick of truth and a fractured butthole, but I would also like a different style. I don't know what that style would be, but I wouldn't mind something new. So look forward to it. We'll give you more uh, details as they become available. There will be a Disney plus Marvel game showcase on September 9th at D 23. This has never happened before. So in terms of like, what can we expect? We have no idea. I would say, keep your expectations low, but at the same time, Jedi survivor, KOTOR remake, uh, Wolverine, uh, Spider-Man 2. I think of all of those, we're only going to see Star Wars Jedi Survivor. That's the only one I think. I think the PS5 showcases and stuff is where we'll see the Insomniac games. But there's a ton of stuff they could show. Could Indiana Jones, the the Xbox exclusive. Maybe that's where that gets shown off for the first time. Um, Maybe a very... Awesome look at uh, uh, Marvel's Avengers. (laughs) No one cares. But there's there's tons of potential here for things. I will say, go into this at a 2 out of 10 and hope to get a 5. That's where I'm at. Just hope that it's better because a lot of these companies that do these big events, they don't need them. I'm hoping this is not the case with this one. The N64 game coming to Nintendo Switch online this month is Wave Race 64, and it's available right now. Yeah, it's about what I'm going to go play. In fifth, in 12 minutes, ladies and gentlemen, in 12 minutes, we're going to get that text. 
that uh, that tweet i should say that nintendo thursday night tweet that we always get during our pod every month that says the game is available right now so uh if we're still doing this pod in 12 minutes which i don't know if we are we're almost done um if we're live it'll be there so when i'm done editing this show tonight if i'm still alive (laughs) if i'm still awake yeah, I'm going to cu- get a little bit of Wave Race 64. You know why I'm happy about Wave Race 64? While this will never be my favorite N64 game, you know what this opens the door to, right? 1080 snowboarding. 100%. Yep. Dude, if we're going to get Wave Race in the summer, you know they're hitting us in like November or December with 1080. You just know De- it. December makes sense. I was a little disappointed because my theory was August is goldeneye's 25th or 30th anniversary i thought that at gamescom xbox was going to finally announce this remake coming i guess this russian war in ukraine is still a little bit too of a sensitive a topic maybe it happens because gamescom isn't for another couple days but i really thought the uh, n64 version or game this month was going to be goldeneye i'm i'm okay if it's not don't get me wrong i have the cart i can play it whenever i want but where I'm hopeful is that maybe they do announce this GoldenEye remake at Gamescom, and that's what comes to Nintendo Switch, is that Xbox 360 remaster port, because that's what I want. I want to play not the native version. I want to play this new version on my Switch. Um, I'd be very happy to throw 20, 25 shekels at that all day. But Wave Race 64, hell of a game. Some people couldn't get past the controls. I'll tell you this. The controls make sense as an adult. As a kid, I was infuriated. As an adult, it's amazing how in 1996, seven or eight, whatever it was, as 3D gaming was just becoming a thing, that they were able to nail the feeling of actually being in water and the current taking you here and the waves kind of taking you there. And it makes sense now. Back then, I fucking hated it. Now, I'm a big fan. Can't wait to play it. Wave Race 64. Now, give me 1080, baby. I'm waiting with bated breath for 1080. You and me both. Reminder that Gamescom is next week and opening night live with Jeff Keighley is Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, so like that's what I was just talking about. Gamescom is a couple days away. They're going to do a two-hour, I will call it a blowout. It's one of those summer game fest style things, game awards, whatever. Um, Gamescom, Xbox usually brings a lot to that, and they've said they're going to be there. They said they're going to give us an in-depth look at more games coming to Game Pass within the next 12 months. most of it will be updates. That's what I'm guessing a lot of the show is going to be is updates from shit we already know. Probably light on new announcements, um, which that's just the world we live in, in this COVID world where it's just still crushing gaming. Um, I'm just hoping, I'm hoping upon hope, and I'll be ultimately disappointed that you know I'd love a GoldenEye game to be there. I don't expect a Banjo game to be announced or anything crazy like that as much as I'd love it. But if you could just give me this GoldenEye remake, I'd be happy. It would be in my game of the year immediately into the conversation. It's a game I would play a hundred times over in a in a week. I just Goldeneye is one of my favorite games of all time. I've never played the Xbox LA uh, remaster, the one that leaked all over the internet. I just want to play it officially on my console, please, please. But from two to four Tuesday, the twenty third, uh, check it out. You can watch it on Twitch, YouTube, all those places. Death Stranding looks to be coming to PC Game Pass. Not Xbox Game Pass. It is a PlayStation console exclusive. PlayStation, I believe, owns the rights to the IP, so we'll probably never see it on Xbox Game Pass. But for PC Game Pass players who don't have a billion things to play, this is a huge get. Um, 
people tell me that when you play Death Stranding, it's a lot different than watching it or looking at it. It it and it's kind of gotten me intrigued to a point. Like, I, dude, if it was ever came to Game Pass, I'd give it a shot. If I ever bought the upgraded PlayStation Plus, I'd give it a shot. It's included there. Um, I'll never buy it because I'm I just I'm weary if I'm I would love it, but I would try it if it was available to me. But PC Game Pass, this is huge. And of course, after I write this story down, um, one of the major prominent leakers or insiders, if you will, Tom Henderson, who gets almost everything right, he said that they're actually going to make a formal announcement on the 19th, which is Friday, which is today for the people that listen to this, the day it gets released, which sucks because I would have loved to be like, see what we said it and it came true. But nah, somebody already kind of confirmed it. That'll happen today slash tomorrow slash yesterday slash whenever the fuck you're listening Mm -hmm. to this. Pokemon Tournament DX is available now for free on Nintendo Switch Online until the end of the month. Uh, it's actually, it's my bad. I actually got that wrong. It's actually until 824. So um, August 24th. Yeah, basically we got a week. We got seven days. So if you're listening to this the day the shit comes out, you got a week to dr- just go online and download it. The full game, Pokemon Tournament. If you like Tekken and Pokemon, it's literally that. It's a fighting game. Pick Aegislash. Uh, and just go nuts or shadow Mewtwo or Blastoise uh, and just go nuts. If you like fighting games, it's a cool little game. It it ran out of steam for me. I played it once. I, I didn't love it. Uh, maybe I'll download the free trial because I don't have a million things to play. By the way, I beat Coromon. Um, of course you did. Man, what a fucking game. 21 and a half hours. What a what a final boss. That thing was hard as shit. Jesus God. The only reason I beat it is because I had a billion revives and potions and stuff. So hard as hell that game or the ending, I should say. Never had uh, a yeah, Pokemon Tournament DX available now for Nintendo Switch Online. And the last story we have in gaming, we should be getting Pokemon Scarlet and Violet this Sunday, August 21st. Yeah, I should have wrote news. I forgot to write the word news. Uh, we should be getting news on that game on the 21st of, of August, which is Sunday, the last day of Pokemon Worlds. Worlds are happening right now as you're listening to this. So if like you like the TCG or the VZ, uh, VGC, which is Sword and Shield competitive online play, or Pokemon or Pokemon Go, they do this year. They live stream 12 hours a day with the Worlds. They're taking place in London. And at the end of Worlds every year, they give us a little bit of news. They give us a little something-something. And... Uh, Junichi Masuda, who is like the president, I think, of the Pokemon company, said, be on the lookout on Sunday. Like we we we're gonna give you something. So it's it's all but confirmed. My guess is a new Pokemon. I don't know what else they'd give us. Maybe if it's just a new character or something, that'd be stupid. Um so I'm guessing it's a new Pokemon. I hope it is. I don't know what else it could be. Uh, but that would be pretty neat. Just give us one little thing, just one little something to slurp on for a month. One, one little nugget. There. Just a little teeny drop of news, and I'm happy. That Pokemon Presents was fine, but I I want more. Damn it, that game's only a couple months away. We still have so many questions. So, yeah, be on the lookout this weekend for a little Pokemon Scarlet and Violet news. And if you miss it, we'll have you covered. By the way, for our Sword and Shield players or our Pokemon collectors like me, um, right now through, I think it's the 24th, might be... The 21st might be the 30th. Check me on that. I cannot remember. Um, If you go into your sword and shield game and go into your mystery gift, if you type in the code world 22 victory, but the V I'm sorry, but the I in victory is a one and the O in world is a zero. It looks like so W zero 
RLD22V1CT, maybe zero RY there. I can't tell uh, from the look of my photo, but in some way, former fashion, World 22 Victory, they're going to give you a free Victini, which is a mythical Pokemon you can only get through distribution events. It's one of the mythicals I don't have. I'm like 12 short or nine short, and I'll have a complete dex. This is a huge thing for me because I get to complete, you know, I'm one step closer to the edge, not about the break. I'm one step closer to completing my deck. <laughs> and it's got perfect IVs, I believe. So if you're a competitive player, it helps you even more. But Victini, available in Sword and Shield for free, just go to the online mystery gift, type in that code, and you'll get your free Victini. Uh, in movies, we mentioned at the top of the show, freaking um, remake of a movie that neither one of us want is happening. We're getting a remake of The Wizard of Oz. I mean, so it's official. No movies are sacred. There is any movie now can be it's up for a remake. It it doesn't matter if you're a classic old new. Um, This one, however, like we said, this one's not for me. I I never liked. Like this, I don't know, it it just didn't speak for me. I hated it growing up. I know kids loved it. I'm sorry. The pressure bubble. I always hated it. So this one, even if they make the new one, I probably won't even say it. I have no interest in seeing it. I could give a shit less about the Wizard of Oz, but like it's coming from Warner Brothers. So Warner Brothers says like, yeah, you know what, guys, let's get rid of everything. Let's cancel Batgirl. Let's just get rid of all. We're getting rid of 30 things on HBO Max in the next week or two, including Generation, which is a show I liked a lot. Um, But you know what? Let's make the Wizard of Oz again, because that's necessary. That's something I think we need. So, like, that's a bunch of bullshit, man. I don't need it. No one needs it. We don't need it. Who cares? It's bullshit. Is there? Oh, yeah. I've also uh, only seen the movie twice all the way through, and I just I despise it. I don't think it's it's enjoyable. Again, and and the movie has so much like dark back history that like I I, I don't to me like just just leave that one alone. Like, we're fine. We'll we'll, we'll be fine. And they're going to make it. So. God, I hope it's not. I CG. hope it's not a modern ver. Yeah, right. I hope it's not a modern version. I hope it doesn't take place now. Like that would suck if they make it a twenty twenty two version. God. Or they make it like a Jum- set in like Jumanji or some shit. It's, it's just there's so many ways this is gonna go wrong. Not could go wrong. Is gonna go wrong. Uh, last story of the night: the Embracer Group acquires the rights. This is huge, by the way. Uh, to the to the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit IP. That's games. Movies, shows, literary works. Oh, all wow. of them. I, see, all I, of I, thought it, I thought it was just movies. I didn't realize it was everything. God damn. The, the Embracer Group is that company we've mentioned on the show that have been buying fucking everything. Them and Tencent have been buying so many companies and just absorbing so many things. There's like 122 studios or something crazy right Jesus. now that work in the Embracer Group. Um, and now, they also bought Limited Run Games, who does a really cool like collector's physical editions yeah. of games that are only digital. So like, there goes that kind of cool thing. And it's like, God damn dude, Lord of the rights, Lord of the rights. <laughs> That's what they should be called. Or the Lord of the rights. We own everything. The Lord of the rings and the Hobbit. Now this gigantic, like not nostalgic, but like classic thing is now just owned by someone else. And it's just kind of weird that they have all this power and can do whatever. I don't know. Maybe this means that now that Warner brothers no longer owns it, does the do the references to Lord of the Rings have to be taken out of like multiverses? Like I wonder because like what what Embracer did they negotiate that? I I don't know. Oh, there it is. There's the goddamn tweet. Race through nine courses or polish your skills in stunt mode with Wave Race sixty four available now. So there it is. We called it like clockwork. But anyways, 
yeah, this is like just really weird. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I guess I don't care because I still never finished the movies. Oh, please, please. You just get through two towers. It's the best one, man. It's so good. Please. In the next 40 years, I will do it. Perfect. That's uh, exactly Sam, what I want. It. <laughs> Sam, I, you know, you got the technical difficulties going. I'm hoping we can get through this. But, my friend, bring us home with your weekly wada. Weekly wada this week is um, I just got my first batch of I think it's just PS3 games. I just got two for now. But this one is God of War 3. This is the, a 9.4 ACL rating. Made in USA, came out in 2010. Arguably, probably maybe my favorite one of the franchise. It is highly regarded as one of the best. Game Informer gave it a 10 out of 10. IGN gave it a 9.3 out of 10. Metacritic has a 92 out of 100. By June of 2012, it sold 5.2 million copies. One of my favorite third-person single-player shooters. Again, this one was basically he's... I think he fought everyone in this one. I believe he was fighting the monsters, gods, titans. He's trying to find Pandora's box. You wind up fighting Zeus at the end, which I thought was pretty badass. Um, This one kept him alive, kept it going. It was remastered again for PlayStation 4, which I I think I have it because I played and beat it. But I'm just going to buy it on the PS3. I don't need the PS4 version. This is the first print release, so I, I feel like I don't need the remastered version. And this was directed by Stig Usman, produced by Steve Caterson with a Y-fold seal. Um, I'm almost done. All my God of War completed. Once I send in, I think, the new PS5 one, I believe then I'll have all the God of War series sealed. I cannot wait for God of War Ragnarok. I know you can't wait. November can't get here fast enough. That's your weekly WADA, God of War 3. About 45% of that was completely inaudible. But that's okay. That's okay. Uh, everybody, sorry, thank everybody. you. <laughs> thank you. So was that. I think you said sorry. Uh, thank you to everybody for hanging out with us through the technical difficulties, through it all, through maybe some awkward jump cuts and all of the things that come with that. We really appreciate you. We're trying our best to get to 300 before we go monthly. And we're trying to crank this shit out for you uh, as best we can. But the internet will be the internet. And uh, that's where we record. So there you go. Well, everybody, thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next week for episode 295. It's all over, man.